This is the Catalyst Podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 3, Episode 9. How to handle the challenges of writing. Hi, I'm Michael and welcome back. Welcome back to the Catalyst Podcast, a place where you can relax, chill out and hopefully just enjoy 20 minutes of me talking and <laughs> you enjoying the, the material. So uh, before we get started, I'd like to say a massive thank you as always to Steve Gaston and our sponsor, the Masterclass Sessions. The next Masterclass Sessions with Lord LinkedIn himself, Mr. Peter Collins, he's helped me with my LinkedIn profile. If you click on the link in the show notes, you can book yourself onto the session, it's really good. And I want to say a massive well done to Sally Midjet Conway, who won our most recent competition for winning a 12-month subscription to the Masterclass session. She wrote a brilliant review of the podcast and told me what she liked about it. So thanks, Sally. Um, so you're our competition winner. So if you want to be the next competition winner, make sure to just send a quick email to michael at catalyst.co.uk. Just tell me something you enjoy from the episode so I can keep making them good for you. Simple as that. Alrighty. So today's format is going to be nice and simple. Uh, as you know, I'm trying to keep them about 20 minutes. They start to get a little bit long. So I was like, let's pull back a bit, <laughs> you know, because you give me 20 minutes of your life, which is which is gorgeous. Thank you so much. Right. Five ways that you can handle the challenges of writing. And interestingly, only one of these is really to do with writing. The other four, well, maybe two, the other three or four are to do with handling other people, which is actually a big stumbling block for a lot of people. So they are writer's block imposter syndrome, criticism, self-doubt, and time management. So let's get into the first one, writer's block. So I left that as a little um, bonus. Did you see it? It was the random fact for last episode. Everybody suffers from writer's block and writer's cramp as well. So writer's block, oh, I've had it. It is where you are writing and then you just, no, no, no more ideas. You're totally stuck. So if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, I've talked about, you know, write every day for 10 minutes on your phone or whatever. And then some days, especially for me recently, I've been like, I've got nothing to say. I've literally got nothing to say. And that's really tough because you're still going to write for 10 minutes. And it can be like that, can't it? You're working on something and uh, you just dry up. And so it's a fiction piece and you've just run out of ideas. Or if it's a non-fiction piece, you're just like, I don't know where this is going. We all suffer with it. We all have this block, this moment where we just hit a mental wall and we're like, I don't know what to do about this. So I've got some ideas to hopefully help you. Well, the very famous Dr. Zeus who wrote Cat in the Hat, get this right, this is actually how he dealt with writer's block. He used to lock himself away in a secret cupboard full of hats and would try on all the different hats until he started to get ideas again. So the reason to start with him is do whatever you've got to do, right, as long as you're not hurting anybody, to deal with your writer's block. So do something as crazy as Dr. Zeus. Another one... Um, a guy called Graham Greene used to write 500 words a day, but he'd stop mid-sentence. So even if he got to 500 words and he was in the middle of something, he'd just stop. So he wouldn't kind of, the reason he did that was to stop it getting to writer's block. He, he kind of go away wanting to write more. So that's an interesting take on it. What I'd say is, like anything, take a break. If you're trying to force something, it doesn't happen. And if you try and force it too much, you write even worse. You'll write something and it'll be a bit naff. It won't be as good quality. If you remember when I talked about a couple of episodes ago, Stephen King, the famous writer, when he says, kill your darlings. And what that means is you write something, you think it's great, put it in a drawer or leave it. When you come back to it, if it's still great in a few days or months, it'll still be great. Or you'll look at it and go, actually, it needs a bit of work. 
So it's the same kind of thing with writer's block. If you try and force it, it ain't going to happen. So relax. It's just like if you're working out regular and you have a day where you've just got no energy, you know, everybody has days and moments where it's nothing you're doing wrong. It's, it's just not happening. So the best thing I would recommend is feed your imagination and, and live, go live, go talk to somebody, go and play a musical instrument, go watch a video, go walk outside, go out for a drink, do something just completely not related to writing. And what it does, your brain will kind of work on ideas kind of in the back of your head and you'll come back around to it and you'll suddenly have like, oh, right, yeah, I've got, this, this is, this is it. And knowing when to do that is quite hard, right? But again, don't force it. Don't force it at all. Absolutely. Take a break, come back to it. Take a break, come back to it. All right. So you don't have to try something as crazy as Dr. Seuss or Graham Greene when, you know, those kind of approaches. But it's just to let you know that there is no one way round, round writer's block. It's like if you run a marathon, they talk about hitting the wall. Everybody hits the wall, that point where the body goes, I can't do anymore. The brain's the same. That's all it is. Writing is a very creative thing. So if you hit writer's block, it's like a plateau. All the brain is saying to you is, uh, I'm kind of done here. Can we take a break? Take a break, feed it, whatever you need to do. Come back to it, you know? So don't feel bad if you feel, if you have writer's block. It's not a sign of failure. In fact, it's a sign of success because often your best ideas are not your first ideas, you know? They're the ones that you craft and come back to and come back to. And if you're having writer's block, even though it's not very nice sometimes, it's a sign you're doing something right. Just trust me on that. You know, like when you saw when you've been lifting in the gym, something like that. So second one is imposter syndrome. Wow. I know a lot about that. I've always felt like that, whether I was doing martial arts, whether I was doing playing music, whether it was public speaking, whether it was running my own business, being a teacher, writing. Anytime that I've taken up a role, I've been like, what? I don't really know what I'm doing here or I'm not as good as other people. I don't deserve to be here or... The big one that people say, I'm going to get found out. Someone's going to say, ah, you're not very good. We all feel that. We definitely feel that. What I say on that is, again, like writer's block, if you feel it, it's normal. And back yourself and back yourself up with what you've achieved or what you can do. So, for example, when I was doing jiu-jitsu and I was a sensei, which means a teacher at one point, and I was like, I had moments where I thought, I'm rubbish. I thought, no, I've trained for years and I can do these techniques just like that. You have got the skills, Mike. You're just having a bit of a wobble. It's the same thing with writing. You've got the skills. You've got the ideas. You've got the abilities. Otherwise, you wouldn't be writing stuff. It's So separate out how you feel about yourself from what you're making. That's a really good piece of advice for anything creative. You are not your piece of art or your creation. You have something in your head. You go through a process and you create something. But it's not you. It's not you. So if you're feeling like you're an imposter and you think, oh, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it very well. You know, who am I to do this? Well, who are you not to, right? Somebody's got to write a really good book. Somebody's got to produce great articles, blogs. Why not you? You know, it's a writing is an incredible thing for helping you get over yourself. (laughs) You have these moments where you realize it's not about you. It never has been. It's never, it's never has been. It's always about what you're writing. It's like in teaching, we say it's always about what they're learning, not what you're teaching. Think about business. It's always about what the client is receiving, not what you're receiving. It has to be that way. It's a form of service. I mean, everybody thinks about writing differently, but this is my take on it. I think we need to be a lot more kind to ourselves and pragmatic and less romantic about it if we want to write quality stuff for a long period of time. You know, if you'd rather be a bit of a Dr. Zeus, that's fine. But what I'm trying to say is like, if you separate out who you are from what you do, you can enjoy it more. Think about musicians. I used to think I had to agree with everybody who's a musician, you know, what they wear, what they do to like their music. And I got older and realized that's rubbish. 
I can like their music and not even like them as people. They are not their music. It's a separate piece of art. So think about that with the imposter syndrome. Often it's because you're too close to your writing. You know, back off. Again, like writer's block, take a break. Get over yourself. I had to learn that. You know, get over, get over yourself. You're writing something. Great. It's no big deal. Focus on making it good. Which leads me very nicely into the third one. Now, this is the biggest barrier for people doing anything creative, especially writing. Criticism. What if I write it and people don't like it? What if people slag me off online? What if people, you know, discover mistakes? What if there's typos and errors? What if they say I'm not really good and I can't handle it? These are all things people have said to me or I've thought myself. And again, it's, I want to give you something tangible with it. So this is a stat that I found out recently. It's a rough stat, but it's a powerful one. And it was done, you know, with these like social media companies and they talk about stats and figures and graphs and how many people are clicking on engagement and what are the current trends. And one of the best ones this person told me was, if you think about 100%, right? 90% of people, 90% of people online are not creating anything. Let that sink in. Nine out of 10 people or 90 people out of 100, they're not creating anything. You might be one of them and that's fine. You're just viewing, you're just watching, you're just passively taking in. Absolutely fine, right? But they're saying the majority of people are just watching. They don't click, they don't subscribe, they don't comment, they don't retweet, they don't do nothing. They just watch. Right? It's quite voyeuristic. And then 9% of people will create. Sorry, will click on things, will like, subscribe, take some action, you know? So they'll say, I'm going to email that person, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to subscribe to that podcast, <laughs> or I'm going, you know, I'm going to take some action, even if it's just comment on a YouTube video. 9%. 1%, 1 in 100 actually make something. They make videos, they make content, they write blogs, they do podcasts, they write books. Actually, one in a hundred actually does something, makes something. They're not commenting on somebody else and they're not just sat there, they're making something. If you are making something, you are part of that 1%. That's incredible. So therefore, if we just think about that, right? Think I'm out here actually doing something, I'm actually writing. So Twitter's a big one. I've seen some wonderful people on Twitter very supportive writers, but I've also seen some terrible things on Twitter. People, often that aren't writers, just saying, hate it, rubbish. You know, some really harsh stuff. I've seen people saying things like, kill yourself, right? Let's just look at that for a minute. It takes no effort to criticize. It takes no skill. Also, with being online, you can have anonymity, meaning you're anonymous. You never have to meet that person, so you, can, you think you can say what you want. The people who do this, right, do you reckon they've written really good books? I doubt it. Do you reckon they've written really good podcasts or blogs or articles or done anything creative to a high standard, a really high standard, right? I doubt it. I really do. So it's something to just think about. You're in that 1%. You're actually doing something. And think about somebody who's going to slag off or critique. I don't mean really nasty. I don't mean like critique. I mean criticize, personally attack you, go after your work. You really think somebody's going to do that? It's a happy person, they're successful, they're doing well in their life? I don't think so. A lot of that is projection. People feel bad. When we feel bad, we project on somebody else. So recognizing that is very, very powerful. So that's the first thing. You're in the minority, you're actually doing something. And these people who might, might, by the way, you know, slag you off or say something horrible, what are they, what are they actually doing? Has their opinion got weight? Or are they just somebody's in a bad moment and being anonymous online? It's not actually you. They don't know you, you know? They don't know you. It takes no effort to just write a few letters, you know, in 20 seconds on a post. They're not maybe thought about it. So I wanted to give you something really encouraging with this because 
I really feel strongly about this one. There's so many people, and you can be one of them, who are ready to create or could create amazing stuff. But it's the fear of criticism that stops you. So I want to read you this. It's a famous long quote from Theodore Roosevelt, but it contains everything I'm talking about on this criticism point. Have a listen. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. That's good, right? So don't listen to me, listen to Theodore Roosevelt. Everything I've just said on that criticism is there. Now, critique is different if you have a peer, somebody who's a writer, somebody's like, actually, there's some errors in that, or I can help you with that bit, or if you want to rethink that, or that's not your strongest bit. That's critique. That is that is proactive. That's trying to help. That's trying to improve. It's really simple. If it's a personal opinion, it's a personal opinion. If it's a critique trying to help improve, definitely listen to it. My parents are very good for that, especially my father. He'll be like, that's not good enough. You need to change it. I don't take it personally. Okay, remember, we are not our work. We create the work, put it onto the world. If it's not a great book, it's not a great book. doesn't mean you couldn't write 19 other brilliant books, right? So when it comes to that criticism, you are the 1%. You're actually doing something. Be proud of yourself. These people who may criticize you, who are they? Do you want to value their opinion? You're actually doing it. Think about what Theodore Roosevelt said. The man, the woman who's actually doing it, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. And also positive critique can help you to be even better. And again, right, I'll tell you the way I've experienced it. Listen to my experience. I can't actually think of times where I've had a lot of negative posts on what I'm doing. Now, I'm not saying that to be like, look at me. <laughs> I'm saying that to let you know that since I published my first book five years ago, I've not had people doing that thing that you might be scared of, slagging me off or criticizing or doing that. So what I'm trying to say is the, the actual odds of that happening to you are very low. The idea that you think it's going to happen is very high in your head, but that's not the actual reality. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's not that you're going to have hundreds and thousands of people not liking your stuff. It's not actually like that. <laughs> most of them won't actually know about it until you promote it all right so that's a very very important one i want to open that door for you and if you're stood there at the door going oh i'm not too sure just go for it seriously go for it everybody's got something to gain by you writing something good think of it that all right next one self-doubt self-doubt is an interesting one people that are very emotionally intelligent sensitive suffer with imposter syndrome you might be one of these people they, they doubt themselves, but use that self-doubt. Let's look at what self-doubt actually is. What you're saying is, I don't know if this is too good. I don't know if this could be better. Who am I to do this? Well, like you said, who are you not to? But it can be good to be doubtful because being doubtful can make you humble, right? Keep you low to the ground. Humility, that's where it comes from. You're not thinking you're absolutely amazing. You keep humble and low to the ground and you're a bit fearful. If you didn't cross the road and were fearful of the cars, you'd be hit by a car. Sometimes a bit of fear and being humble is a powerful thing. So if you have a bit of fear about your writing, 
You might edit it really sharply, or you might say, no, I can do better than that. Use that humility, saying, I don't think I'm that great yet. Use that fear, saying, I don't think that this is that good yet. What if it could be better? Use that. It's very, very powerful. Like Stephen King was saying, if he's humble and he's fearful that it could be bad, he'll work harder to make sure that it's better. I do that. I've actually been editing my second book as I make, make this for you this week, and I am fearful that it's not going to be as good as my first one. So I'm working harder to make it better. And I'm trying to be humble, thinking if I put out something good, it helps some people, great. When I have the moments of self-doubt, I think, okay, that's normal. Every writer experiences self-doubt. I'm not special. And that really helps. If you see it as just a normal thing, rather oh, I'm struggling because I'm suffering self-doubt, nah, you'll be fine. Self-doubt, normal. Criticism, normal. Imposter syndrome, normal. Writer's block, totally normal. And once you normalize that, it helps you to kind of get over it and you just... Focus on the writing, okay? And the last one's a time management aspect to it. Now, there's so much I could say with this. What I'd say is, again, go to the links in the show notes, the Global Chamber, go to the Authors series. I think they did 19 episodes in counting on all these different authors, there's about three per episode. So it's nearly 60 different people who they will describe for you their way of doing time management. So for me, for example, I got different ways of managing how I write. One is the Pomodoro technique. I'll set a timer 20 minutes and just go for it. Sometimes I might just say, right, I'm sitting down like when I was editing this week and I'm saying I'm going to sit down and do a chapter or do it till it's done. There's different ways in when it comes to managing your time. I think what we need to kill off a little bit is this idea of just, you know, an inspired moment happens and everything will drop and you have lots of free time to write your book. You won't necessarily, especially if you're working in your own business. You've got to make the time for it, right? You've got to, and if you want any help with that, just let me know. I can do more and more in detail on that. But when it comes to time management, are you going to be like the Graham Greene and say, right, 500 words a day, no matter what? Or are you going to be a bit more kind to yourself and say, well, maybe a bit, take a break. At the end of the day, the time passes anyway. And so what if it takes you five years to write a book? Five years pass anyway, you've got a book. <laughs> That's a nice way of thinking about it. All right, don't be so hard on yourself. So I hope that's been helpful for you in just taking a moment to think about, all right, if I, I, I want to write this stuff. You know, Vicky, if you listen to this, Vicky Dolan, uh, Vicky said to me, I've been obsessed with this writing series so far in the podcast. I'm like, I really want to write something. I'm really inspired. Hopefully, Vicky, has been helpful for you. These are the five kind of things that stop people. It's not your quality. It's not your ability. It's not your ideas. It's not your life experience. It's not how good a writer you are. None of that. It's these five and you can see that three or four of them are really focused on how we think about ourselves and other people. It's not the actual writing. There's one piece of advice. If you allow me to give you one piece of advice, focus on the writing, not yourself. Everything else can come afterwards. Marketing, promotion, who you are as a writer, that can evolve. It doesn't matter right now. Write something good. Everything else comes from that. Okay. So until we talk again, I hope that's been helpful for you the last few episodes. So just kind of open the door and lock that door and just say, just go for it. You know, the world will benefit if you write a really good book. Think of it that way. And even if you don't want to do that, now you know a little bit more about writers and how we understand each other. And just pick one thing from today. Try applying it. See if it helps you in your writing. And even if you don't, right, just know that somewhere, someone loves you right now very, very much, just as you are. Okay. Take care and speak soon. So today's random fact is a brilliant one. Check this out. It's about writing. There was a poet called Amy Lowell. She bought herself 10,000 cigars because she had writer's block and she thought she needed them to write, <laughs> right? So like we say, do what you've got to do to get through and get that, get that book done, even if you have to buy 10,000 cigars. <laughs>